Welcome to Al Film Bet, a podcast where Alec and I analyze movies. Movies or, 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 or films. films. As Alec likes to call them. What are you talking about? <laughs> Why would I prefer... I've film? never heard you say movies. I guess that's kind of probably true. Um, should we just go? Yeah. This is uh, the first episode of our show. So we're going to be analyzing film. We're going to say what we have to say about it. We're going to look at what other people have to say about it. And we're going to give you some background on the movie. And uh, the main premise of our show is that we're going to be going through movies alphabetically. And the title of the film and the director are going to start with the same letter. We're calling our podcast Al Film Bet. Uh, because we're going to use an alphabetical structure to kind of explore a variety of films. Uh, popular films, less popular films from all kinds of periods, different filmmakers, different genres, etc. Uh, and we're hoping to kind of use that structure to talk about both, you know, incredibly well-analyzed movies that have been talked about time after time after time. And also, maybe we'll find some hidden gems in there, too. Uh, also, it'll be just kind of kind of fun. We're, we're going to try not to take ourselves... Uh, too seriously and have a little bit of fun with this. So uh, just a little background of ourselves. I'm Alec. And I'm Sam. Uh, we go to the University of New Hampshire, and this is for a podcasting course. <laughs> we'll preface that we have no idea what we're doing. This is uh, this is our first podcast for both of us, and we're trying our best. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, that's a good thing to get out there. Right. <laughs> so today we're going to be analyzing Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. If listeners are not familiar with Wes Anderson, he's a pretty prolific filmmaker. He's made, this This would be his 11th feature film. You may have heard of Fantastic Mr. Fox, the great adaptation of the, uh, the Roald Dahl book. And then also Grand Budapest Hotel is quite famous. Yeah, he's, he's really blown up over the 2010s. I think he's become relatively mainstream now. He's got a really uh, singular style, I would say. A lot of uh, symmetrical lines, very ensemble cast. He's got... Uh, a lot of actors pop up in the... You start to see a lot of recurring faces <laughs> over time. Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman, uh, among many others. Obviously, Owen Wilson. He's known him for a very long time. I think they grew up together. Right. And the uh, other Wilson. <laughs> you know his name? Luke Wilson. Luke okay. Wilson. Right. Okay. And there's other Wilsons that pop up here and there. You'll see a few Wilsons really? throughout okay. his filmography hmm. if you watch through them. Right. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of, uh, of Wes... I, I watched most of his films this summer leading up to the release of Asteroid City. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the midst of, of a watch through. I'm, I'm probably about halfway through his filmography. So I'm, I'm, I would say I'm up to maybe the early 2010s in, ter in terms of his timeline. But yeah, overall, I have seen most of them. We're coming from a place where we're kind of into his whole thing. So hopefully we won't be overwhelmingly positive in this podcast. I think we have each have a little bit of uh, criticism we might want to add mm -hmm. we both have uh criticisms i think i might be a little bit more critical just based on our on our conversations already we're gonna try not to blindly praise him right. even though it, it's easy to do but. it's easy to do and we really like the idea of uh, a director who has his own unique kind of instantly recognizable style because right. you don't see that a lot these days and it's pretty interesting yeah we both had already seen the movie when it came out in theaters uh, earlier in the summer, I think. Right, it was uh, mid to late June it came out. Mid to late June. I saw it within the first week or two. Yeah, me uh, too. I, release. I believe I saw it opening Thursday, so yeah. As you'd probably expect, this will be a spoiler warning for Asteroid City as we will be getting into the plot. And uh, right now we're going to give a not super detailed because it's a like all Wes Anderson movies, it's incredibly 
complex structurally and just plot-wise, um, but we're going to give a, a relatively in-depth plot summary right now. Right, and it, it, it's sometimes just hard to understand on the screen, so it might be even harder to understand from us, but we'll give it a shot. Yeah, we're trying our best here, <laughs> as we said. So yeah, this in case you don't want to watch the movie or you watched it and already forgot what happened in it, because honestly, I did too after the first time watching it. So yeah, so like a lot of Wes's movies, Asteroid City kind of exists on multiple levels because it has a meta storytelling structure. We're first introduced to uh, this 1950s television show featuring a host played by Brian Cranston, who then introduces us to a series of characters in this kind of television special, which is taking the form of a stage play, um, which itself is about the production of a fictional stage play called Asteroid City. Brian Cranston is a newcomer to West Anderson, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're wrong. He was uh, a voice in Isle oh, Dogs. Oh, Isle Dogs, yep. No, you're right. Yeah. That's going to totally stay in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the film basically intercuts between the two storylines, uh, one being a surrealist history of the creation of the play, and the other a more cinematic version of the play itself, uh, which is the Prentiss in Color. Uh, so in that Asteroid City play, a grieving war photojournalist played by Schwartzman, his character name is Augie Steinbeck, him and his family's car breaks down in a small desert town called Asteroid City. He's on his way to his father-in-law's house after the death of his wife. That's Tom Hanks, by the way. <laughs> He's a newcomer. I believe so, yeah. They had already planned to come to Asteroid City for Augie's genius son, Woodrow, to be evaluated for his scientific research at the Junior Stargazer Convention. Uh, also at the convention are Scarlett Johansson's character Midge Campbell, who is a famed actress, and her daughter, whose name is Dinah. There's also an ensemble of other child actors, which we haven't seen from Wes Anderson since Moonrise Kingdom, in in this scale at least. Right. I mean, we you had uh, of course Tony Revolori's revelatory performance. Right. I mean, he was in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. No, I agree. It's uh, probably his best work with child actors since Moonrise Kingdom. But that is a brilliant movie and a huge recommendation. Augie, who had been uh, keeping it a secret prior to this, reveals to his children that their mother had passed. His three daughters humorously try to, quote-unquote, resurrect their mother in some sand near the communal showers. Um, They're definitely the comic reliefs of this movie. Although there are a lot of comic reliefs, to be honest. It's it's a very... I would classify this as a comedy, even more than most of his other movies. You wouldn't think that uh, three very young girls burying their dead mother would be the funniest part of the movie, but that's just Wes Anderson for you. So throughout the play, Woodrow and Dinah bond over their unfortunate family situations and misunderstood genius. Augie and Midge fall in love, communicating through their houses' adjacent windows. After the convention ceremony, all the attendees gather in the historic crater in Asteroid City to watch a cosmic anomaly when a stop-motion alien descends, uh, played by Jeff Goldblum, as revealed later in the movie, (laughs) and steals the asteroid which had created the crater. Augie takes a picture. The U.S. government then shuts down the convention and forces the town into quarantine, uh, and then the young honorees succeed in getting word out about the alien landing against the efforts of the U.S. government. In the play about the play, reclusive playwright Conrad Earp becomes romantically involved with actor Jones Hall, who he casts as Augie. The rest of the cast comes from a local acting school. The play's director, Schubert Green, deals with his recent divorce and lives inside the theater. Uh, in a very fourth wall breaking moment, Jones walks off the set of the play and finds Schubert. Uh, unsure if he's correctly understanding the character, Green then insists that his uncertainty is actually necessary for the sake of the art. 
Jones finds a balcony to smoke, and he interacts with an actress, Margot Robbie, who previously played his wife in a scene which was cut for time. Months after the play's debut, we find out Conrad Earp passed away in a car accident. In the Philip most surreal scene, the cast rehearses a proposed group sleeping scene until they one by one start to exclaim, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. At the end of the play, after it's city, Woodrow ends up winning the Stargazer Scholarship, uh, and when asked, he says he'll probably spend it on his new girlfriend, who is Dino. The mother's ashes are buried in Asteroid City, and Midge leaves Augie her address information. The family drives away, certainly all changed by this experience. The end. We're now going to shift to our analysis of certain parts of the film. I want to talk a little bit about Wes Anderson's style that he's really perfected over the past two decades. Uh, whether you like it or not, honestly, it's become increasingly artificial and um, planned out. Right. Which some could say is a good thing or a bad thing, um, but we'll get into that later. This film is definitely has it, it, it takes place in 1955, and you can definitely tell because it overall has a sort of 1950s blown out aesthetic in terms of the lighting and the exposure. It's very retro futuristic, you could say. Right. It's also littered with these title cards introducing acts and scenes, and those all look like they're taken straight off of the like a 1950s TV screen. Definitely. The oversaturated color and then also the black and white of the behind the scenes play. Right. And one thing I noticed that I'm sure is, was intentional uh, is the, the whole town reminded me of uh, like a, a nuke town, sort of like a test for a nuclear bomb in the 50s. Yeah, that was uh, uh, definitely one of the main subjects of Anderson's satire in this uh, in this film. Which I thought it was incredibly funny that it was also coming out right around the time of Christopher Nolan's new movie, which actually was about the uh, the bomb tests. You can just see the atomic bombs being tested in the background of the movie at various times. It's like a teaser for Oppenheimer, which right? Come out about a month later, right? That's what I mean. Um, so it, it really does perfectly encapsulate, if not what the actual 1950s were like, what media has portrayed the 1950s to be in the common modern perception of what the 50s were uh very nostalgic in a way even though most of us really have no kind of conception of that time or even i would say maybe a large percentage of anderson's fans were not alive during that time a, a lot of people have issue with uh one aspect of anderson's style which is the way that he has his actors deliver their dialogue and it's um it strips a lot of the emotionality that you would uh you would find in a lot more realist films completely right. out of it it's like uh human puppets in a way <laughs> right which which definitely does give this films sort of a, a less serious and sort of funny tone it's I interesting think. it cre i mean it creates an emotional barrier right in some ways but it's it's also it's so it's so unique and a lot of the a lot of his actors can find ways to to express that very human emotions in that kind of framework Right, which I find really interesting. Interesting. Sometimes it feels like he's trying to make live action feel like stop motion, which maybe this is preferred medium. Maybe I, you definitely feel the the roll doll influence uh, aesthetic on Wes Anderson's work, which makes sense why he's so obsessed with that creator. Right, uh, and he's making some more uh, short films based on those stories. I mean, there's some stop motion in this movie as well, so it, it is he's literally starting to merge uh, live action and stop motion. So. 
I'm interested to see how that kind of idea develops in future projects, but it's really funny to see right. humans interacting with, for example, the stop motion alien in the middle of this movie. But um, his past few films have included some stop motion elements too. Right, so it's not unique. Well, just, I'm, I'm not saying it's not unique, it's just not uh, new. No, not it's, new. That's not, not brand new. Uh, and yeah, and he seems to be using it more and more in his live action work. Right, especially, I, I was actually sort of surprised at how much of a center stage this took in, in terms of, you know, in, in the past, it's been entire sequences that are devoted to that and there's more of a transition. But with this, it's just all live action and then suddenly there's a 100% stop motion alien that pops up. I don't want to say it took me out of the movie, but it, it was definitely a, a big surprise that I'm not sure if I loved. Right. But it was it was definitely memorable and interesting. And I agree. I, I liked it more on the second time. One of the more memorable, one of the more memorable scenes of the movie is when the alien comes down for the first time, and it's just a goofy, quirky little Wes Anderson-ized uh, alien, stop-motion alien, and he poses with the asteroid, right? Right. That that was a little more silly than I think the film needed, but yeah, it it was fine. That's fair. It was enough. funny. That's fair enough. There there is something to be said about kind of merging more grounded themes with his more quirky uh, quirky side of his personality. Sometimes it doesn't always work. And I see, I see where you're coming from on that front. I see a lot of people saying that Wes Anderson has gotten a little bit too comfortable in his technique and his style. I've seen reviews that say that he's almost feels like a parody of himself at this point. Uh, what do you think about that? Because I, I sort of agree with that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's one of the main talking points that uh, we've seen when it comes to this movie. At least, uh, I mean, we're going to get into maybe some Real? public reaction to this movie and some crit comments or even criticisms later. But um, as Anderson's become more prolific and he's had uh, increasingly large budgets and actors willing to work with him and everything, he has seemingly gotten more and more in, uh, in, entrenched in his his style. Versus in his earlier films, you could see that, I mean, he did try to incorporate more aspects of reality into it into his work right. i mean you look at bottle rock bottle rocket is very much more based in the real world right they, they did feel a lot more more free uh, early on i think a way to put it now is that it sort of feels like he just has a template or a list of shots that he can use and he's just directly playing into that opposed to sort of being a little more imaginative but uh, this is definitely a very wes anderson wes anderson movie yeah, this is not a departure at all from his style. We've seen uh, not only the Wes Anderson TikTok trend, which has uh, people trying to replicate his style and not usually succeeding or not at all succeeding, one should probably say. Uh, and then there's also been like the trend of AI recreations of Wes Anderson's work. And uh, I guess one criticism could be that if he gets too interested in his style, wouldn't an AI just be able to make? Right. Would an AI be able to make Asteroid City? I don't think it would. I don't think it would be able to make this movie. But maybe at some point down the line, that's something Anderson should consider. A lot of people are, are finding it increasingly difficult to emotionally engage with his film uh, and his characters in, in, in particular as he's becoming more and more obsessed. Right. With. But is that just because people are tired of it or is it because he's truly being inconsistent? I mean... It's hard. It's hard to not deny that his earlier films weren't easily to. Well, okay, I wouldn't even argue that, but more overtly easy to connect with the characters, like in Darjeeling Unlimited or in even like something like Steve Zissou, 
which mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of. This is also a, a bigger cast and a more There's that. thinly stretched cast in some of his other movies. Uh, so it's, it's definitely less of a character study and more of a, an ensemble film, which relates to the fact that it's a play within a play. Yeah, exactly. And um, a lot of people have talked about the structure of the movie uh, and how maybe it's it's too complicated, uh, too many layers. I I think I had a similar take on my first viewing experience, to be honest. I couldn't even really sort which scenes were happening in which uh, layer of reality. But I, I think I, I definitely took a greater appreciation of that this time um, because, uh, as a reminder, we're watching a television documentary play about the creation of a play and we're also seeing that play it, it is i i will say as a as a rebuttal to that it is sort of fascinating when realities collide and sort of bleed into each other especially towards the end this, this, that sort of happens definitely it's really cool to watch and there's a really cool element where he's able to kind of interweave uh elements of foreshadowing by using the multiple layers of reality or multiple layers of fiction in this case. Right. So he's able to talk about something that's going to happen later in the in the uh, Asteroid City play, in the behind-the-scenes play, which I actually thought was really interesting and something I appreciated more on the on the rewatch. Mm -hmm. if, if, if someone in the behind-the-scenes play is to say something that they're going to write for later on in the Asteroid City play, it, it's a really cool moment to actually see that come true. Agreed. And it's, just, it's, it's definitely a, a callback. A really uh, understated and, I think, poignant moment in the movie when he burns his hand on the grill. Maybe a reference to uh, the uh, joke in The Office where Steve Carell burns his hand on the grill. The foot grill. Because his foot. Oh, it's his foot. Yeah. Maybe it's not a reference. But Steve Carell is, of course, also in this movie. Right. Oh, yeah. Another, yeah. <laughs> so maybe. Um, enormous cast. I mean, I can tell that Wes Anderson is a fan of Succession because he has Hugo and he has um, uh, Sandy Furness, a.k.a. Hope Davis, um, and I think maybe a few other small uh, Succession characters in there. Right, and the acting is all great, but really. I mean, right. I, I, think, I think everyone is cast very, very well. He know, um, Yeah, he knows what kinds of actors are going to be great in right. a Wes Anderson movie. He, he didn't just hire people because they're big names. He hired them because they actually do well. I agree. There are a lot. I mean, not looking past just the kid actors, there are a lot of uh, smaller actors peppering peppered in here, along with the uh, Scarlett Johansons and the uh, Steve Carell. And, right. and they're not just treated like cameos. For the most part. I would have liked for some of them to have a little bit more to do, but I, what can you do? It's an ensemble film. Right. Um, while we're on performances, Jason Schwartzman, really knocked it out of the park here i think there's uh, as always as as always yeah he's a, a anderson regular he's been around since um since he was like a teenager or very young adult yeah a really young adult who uh, anderson discovered him with the film rushmore um great movie that is a very very uh solid film he's great i it, out of all the wes anderson actors i think he knows how to find those emotional beats within the the uh, um, very play-like dialogue and, um, you know, the Wes Anderson-style delivery. Yes. It's uh, the sequence where he, he, he's talking to his, his children about how their mom passed away and also all of his sequences with Scarlett Johansson. 
there's just some really beautiful moments in there. And then, of course, when his, you know, behind the scenes actor, actor interacts with Margot Robbie's actor who had previously been cast to play the role of the mother uh, until the scene was cut for time. Um, that's also a very, a very beautiful scene with a lot of layers of meaning that uh, either went over our heads or we won't be able to talk to talk about today. Maybe after our third or fourth rewatch, we'll catch some of the, the yeah. meanings because that's how Wes Anderson is. There's always more layers to discover. This this movie is about a lot of things. It's about uh, grief, most uh, apparently. The main character is experiencing, actually the entire main um, fa- scene back family is going through the process of grief in the movie. And all of the characters are experiencing some sort of, or have experienced some sort of trauma in their past, at least the main characters. Um, and throughout the movie, they're sort of bonding over their um, you know, social defects and differences um, and traumas. And by the end of the movie, they've all kind of uh, helped each other, helped each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down a line, sometimes I think I'd feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. That's right. that's with Dinah and Woodrow. One of the more insane and probably difficult to read sequences in the movie is uh, towards the end, we mentioned it in our intro, when all of the, the behind-the-scenes cast start chanting, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. I, I kind of read that maybe as extending the metaphor of you know overcoming grief and trauma in Asteroid City. All the main characters were, were struggling with grief and trauma prior to coming to Asteroid City. And sort of by taking that moment of quiet uh, or mental rest in the town through the, the processes that they had to deal with, they kind of end up bonding with each other as a bunch of lost souls and they're sort of able to quote unquote wake up at the end of the at the end of the play and move on from Asteroid City, changed for the better. That's my understanding of that line. It could be wrong. Right. That's that I like that a lot, actually. Uh, I think everyone definitely leaves uh, either a better person or a better uh, family. Um, Agreed. Grief, isolation, sadness, the search for belonging. Those are all very uh, big themes that the characters all experience in different ways. And that theme of isolation is also obviously reflected in the town itself. It's quite literally off the map. It's uh, not something you would find until the end, actually, when Steve Carell mentions like marketing it as the place where aliens first touched right. down on Earth. Uh, he, he wanted to rename it uh, Alien Landing. Right. So there's a, there's a little bit of uh, capitalistic commentary throughout the movie with, with his character and the uh, selling of land through vending machines. Right. Absolutely. Uh, another theme I wanted to highlight is self-doubt. Uh, a lot of the characters in multiple uh, planes of the film experience self-doubt in some way. Uh, the director, uh, is worried if the play is good enough. The main character is worried because he doesn't understand the play, and he has a lot of doubt in himself in that sense. Uh, Midge Campbell, she's worried that she's not a good mother. Uh, Woodrow is worried that he's not a genius until later he, he himself says that he is. Um, so there, that theme of self-doubt and later resolution is a big thing in this movie too. Yeah, and then in some ways it, it's it's 
uh, a commentary on art itself. I mean, we're dealing with several layers of theater, using it as a metaphor to talk about the nature of, of existence as well. That, that great scene at the end when he says, am I doing it right? Which I view it as just a fundamental human question in so many things. Um, we're always asking ourselves, am I being a good husband, son, father? Um, am I grieving correctly? It's relevant in that, in that sense. Uh, and then obviously actors are always wondering if they're pulling it off. The point is that we never know. There's always gonna be that uncertainty. So it's just about learning to live with that. Right. And I, I want to add the response to am I doing it right is it doesn't matter. Just keep telling the story. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just keep just keep going. Um, and you'll find you'll find the answer. Hopefully that's not too um, tweet. So now we're going to get into some of our own opinions and what we thought of the film. So do you want to go first? Yeah, I, as we already touched on, I, I really appreciate this film. I think it's really great. There's so many layers and themes that people can get from it. And that said, it's very middle of the pack for me in terms of my Wes Anderson uh, ranking, if you will. I don't know if I fully agree with the idea of ranking, but I, I do have one just because... Um, I think it's interesting. So that that just tells you something about how great Wes Anderson films are. Um, so this is probably lower half of Wes Anderson movies for me. Um, but as you can see, we, we got a lot from it. And it's a, a recommendation regardless. Mm-hmm. I know it wasn't easy for uh, mass audiences to fully connect and engage with a lot of material here. It's, it's really, really engulfed in his style. But I think just for that alone, it's worth watching. I liked it better the second time, for sure. I did think that it had a relatively basic meaning, at, at least on these first two watches. I think my favorite thing about this movie is the way that it was uh, put together just from a technological and practical standpoint. That's really what I remember the most, just the way this movie looks and feels. I do think it's a little overstructured. Um, I don't like the way that each act, and in some cases every few scenes were were interrupted by the title card. I think it made it feel a little bit stretched out and long. And especially in the first two acts, I felt like I just wanted it to to get out at times. Less so in the second watch through, since I knew how it would end. But I I definitely liked it more this time. I would also say that it's in the middle of my uh, theoretical ranking of Wes Anderson movies. I, I, I think that Wes Anderson is at his best when he feels a little bit more free and not locked into what has now become his signature style. But overall, I enjoyed it. Now we're going to take a look at some other opinions from people that we found online. Uh, This is from Tyler on Letterboxd, who gave the film 4.5 out of 5 stars. He says that this is the Wes Andersonification of Nope, which is the uh, Jordan Peele movie that came out a year or two ago. Yeah, it probably should be noted that a lot of reviews on Letterboxd are not serious. These are very much in the vein of humor. Um, I also don't fully see that one. I mean, it takes place in a desert and it involves a, a, a scene with a, uh, several scenes with an alien. Right. Uh, I, I did. I, I included that one because I saw people saying that no relation many, many times just right. in like 
20 minutes of looking through reviews. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that people think that, but I think it is just because of the alien and the desert. I, I also want to uh, say I would love to see a horror movie in Wes Anderson style. Yeah, that would be great. I would watch that. I think everyone would watch that, and that's what you should do next. Uh, also from Letterboxd, this is uh, from the user Lucius Piazzi. This is not cinema. It's design. So that's that's kind of an extreme take on actually a really extreme take. It, it is extreme. I don't agree with at all. It is extreme. I, I don't agree with it. I think that this movie has something to say beyond just design. I do get where this person is coming from in terms of there was very clearly an emphasis on the overall set construction and right. cinematography that is very, very iconic. I've never seen a film that looks and feels like this. So in that sense, it's very unique. So I can see how um, people got that out of it more than anything. I would also say that includes me on my first watch through. Right. I really that That's really what I took away from it. Yeah. I, I take like this kind of uh, to me, it just denies Wes Anderson's place in the cinema landscape because to say that a Wes Anderson movie is not cinema is pretty crazy. This is from Adam Graham with Detroit News. He says, It's all very cute, but not much else, as the story remains locked inside Anderson's dollhouse and is inaccessible to all but his most ardent fans. You didn't get a lot of positive reviews, did you? I mean, that's something a lot of people have said about this movie and is that it's not there. And we've actually mentioned it. It's not obviously... Um, very uh, accessible to a mass audience, which I, is something we fully acknowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and as Wes Anderson fans, we're just trying to look look beyond the maybe less conventional surface and uh, quirky characters and try to find what Wes Anderson's really trying to say with his art, which I think is what mo more people should try to do. Um, but I, I fully understand that a lot. It just didn't work for a lot of people. Uh, here's another one from Rotten Tomatoes from T.T. Stern NZ. A meta weird commentary. And at times, if you try to figure it out, you can get lost in all of it. And I think to a certain extent, in terms of the story, Wes Anderson probably got lost a little in all of it, too. So another person who thinks that the structure was just a little bit too complex for the, the film sake. Right. Which is a very common thing among audiences, as we've seen. Yeah, but I, I actually I actually don't think so. I think it, it, it was fitting for what he was trying to say um, with the specific story. I think that it might, be, it might behoove him to... Uh, go a little bit simpler for the next film, mm -hmm. just because you know it's the one for him, one for me, one for them attitude. He wants to uh, he wants to have mainstream appeal as well. I know right. he does. So right. and he has in the past certainly. Yeah, just gonna be less so with this one, which is reflected in the the reception of it for sure. The reception box office to a degree. It didn't lose money, so that's good at least. Yeah, we can compare it to a recent film that came out this year. Uh, which was similarly uh, difficult for modern audiences to engage with, which was Ari Aster's new movie, Bo is Afraid, which had a higher budget and ended up losing money. So there's definitely there's definitely a line in the modern uh, movie landscape. I, I actually I, I agree with the first part of this in the sense that, especially on a first watch through, it is very easy to be, just be so overwhelmed by what's going on that you can just completely miss any sort of meaning that that Wes Anderson is trying to tell you but I wouldn't say that that Anderson himself got lost in it like this review is saying I think that uh after further review he the, the there is definitely something to say um it, it very that he's saying yeah no it very much feels like he's completely he hasn't lost his touch in a way no it, he, he's he knows what he's saying and, right. and in a sense it's almost a 
he's almost uh, stubbornly refusing to change his style and adapt to modern audiences. Yeah, he's just he's not bending to the will of people that are refusing to meet with him at his uh, his level. But there's something to be said about someone who has something to say um, and a very unique way of saying it, who just does it mm-hmm. and doesn't try to simplify it for any reason. Right. So I guess his his consistency can be seen as a refusal to adapt to audiences, or it can be seen as a negative in the sense that he's not keeping things fresh. So you can really see that as either way right a negative or a positive too egotistical too full of himself too pretentious is a word that a lot of people are going to throw around this will be pretty fun this is our our final segment um the idea is in keeping with the alphabet theme we're going to kind of read off list of words i'm prepared that um Start with the letter of the week, in this case, obviously being A for Anderson and Asteroid City. Uh, these can be literally anything that comes into our mind when we think of the movie. Uh, thematically, just props, characters, anything they could think of. And um, Sam will start this week. So my first word is going to be arid, both because of the, the desert uh, setting, obviously, would be the most obvious, um, but also because of the lighting. At some point in the play, in the behind-the-scenes part, they describe lighting as always clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entire movie really does feel sort of fresh and clean and bright and sort of dry, which is in contrast to a lot of films set in the desert, which which I feel like has the tendency to be more orange and gritty. Uh, but this, this film does feel very sharp and bright and clean. I'm going to go with the obvious one, Alien, for obvious reasons. Jeff Goldblum's alien character, who has already become instantly recognizable and and, uh, famous in the Wes Anderson fan base. Mm. You could also connect it to the way the characters are feeling. Right. That's true. In some cases, Um, alien. uh, A very poignant metaphor that we didn't didn't really uh, mention in the podcast. Mm. How literally the characters feel like aliens. A word that I chose is apathy. This is a word that's strong in... All West Anderson movies, really, especially his more recent ones. Just the way, as we mentioned earlier, all of his characters act, uh, which is just pretty stoic and devoid of emotion. That's very apparent. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go with another space-related word. I, I feel like I feel like Asteroid's probably off the table because that's the name of the movie. Is that the rule we should stick by? I don't think that's a rule. Okay. Then, uh, yeah, let's go with Asteroid because of the asteroid that was stolen by the, the alien. Uh, and also, of course, the name of the city and the play. And also, I think the play about the play, which had the same name, it seemed like. So there are a lot of asteroids going on in this movie. I'm going to say abstract, because I think there are a few different meanings that you could interpret from this movie. Wes Anderson movies are certainly abstract, yes. um, which I think is awesome. Uh, and on that note, I'm going to just say artistry, because Wes Anderson films are our artistry and also there's an element of this movie that is is kind of about art um in a way and mm-hmm. the many layers of art and how how there's always uncertainty in uh finding art yeah for sure and i uh, also acting which goes along with my last one i'm gonna do another two for one which is anguish and alone which really connect to the grief that we mentioned earlier a few of the characters, especially the Steenback family, are 
going through uh, anguish and uh, multiple members of the family, even though they're together, feel alone for their own reasons. That's great. Uh, okay, I'm just going to run through my last few because Sam is done. Uh, Augie seems like an obvious one. Astronomy. And then finally, anxiety, because a lot of the characters are feeling very anxious about existence in this film and death and anxiety and just their overall place in the universe. That's so that's how, that's how I'm going to end this week's words. On a happy note. On the happiest note that you can find. Death. That was our first episode. Thank I'll, you very much for listening. I'll film bet. We really appreciate you listening to that uh, train wreck. But <laughs> that freight train. <laughs> that freight freight train. Um, and on that note, we're going to leave you with this. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. I don't know what train he's on. Would you tell?